We are up to the Gemara on the bottom of Chaf Hei Manal 25A4 in the Archgul Gemara. The Gemara now discusses another case of the Mishnah. The Mishnah says that there is a dispute, there is a machlokas uh, between the first opinion and Rabbi Yehuda, between the Tanakam and Rabbi Yehuda, in a case where a person says that I killed your husband. They come, they come to the court and they say, I killed your husband. According to the first opinion, it is believed. It is a believed testimony. But the witness is not allowed to marry the wife. He cannot marry the wife. But in the end of the day, it is believed and she can marry somebody else. However, Rabbi Yehuda is of the opinion that uh, it is not believed at all. It is not at all believed. And as we mentioned in the last recording, uh, the primary reason for this is that a person is not believed with regards to their own testimony and about the fact that they are self, it's a self-incrimination uh, they are make, calling themselves a murderer, and that in front of Beisdin as testimony, and that is not accepted in Beisdin. A person cannot uh, self-incriminate uh, uh, themselves, and uh, it does not it does not work. Uh, so the Gemara now wants to understand this dispute. What exactly are they arguing about? And uh, a little bit of background before we see the Gemara is that there is a principle that. Uh, once half of a testimony is not accepted, we do not accept the rest of the testimony. Meaning, um, as follows: we need we need at least two witnesses in order to, uh, for most cases, in order to decide a certain matter. If one of them is is invalid, if one of the testimony of one of the individuals is invalid, so then it really invalidates the entire testimony of both individuals when they come together as one group. It invalidates both. And so, over here, the discussion is going to be, are we allowed to accept part, this is not, this is all within one individual, this is not two people, and when it's two people, so then one to one is invalid, the other one is also invalid, if they come together as a group, uh, but uh, over here, it's slightly different, because this is one person, and the question is, could we accept part of the testimony, is that allowed, could we accept part of the testimony, i.e., could we accept the testimony, the part of the testimony that says that your husband died, and ignore the part that says, I was the one that killed him. That you're not believed about, but could we at least accept part of the testimony to say uh, that uh, the the other, that the husband did pass away, which is what we care about with regards to whether or not his wife uh, could marry somebody else. Um, so that will be that will be part of the discussion, as we will see, in the Gemara. So let's see the Gemara inside. The Gemara says, According to the first opinion, the witness, it's, he's believed, he's not allowed to marry the wife because he's the only witness. Uh, when it comes to the laws of uh, proving the death of a husband, uh, so then we do, not, we do not require two witnesses. As we pointed out in the last recording, we only require one in combination with the fact that the wife will certainly look into uh, the matter because... If the husband is alive, so then that has major ramifications because of the leniency that we have to only allow to accept one witness and only one witness. Uh, so then, uh, so then we add on various stringencies to say that if she does marry, we want to make sure that she really looks into it. If we only have one witness, uh, so that she looks into it and makes sure that her husband is really not alive, so that she's confident enough that when she marries, the husband will not come back because otherwise. That will lead to uh, mamzerus. The children might be mamzerim, and it would be viewed as adultery because we do not have two witnesses in this case. Because we're relying purely based on one, 
But we want to have that leniency to rely on one witness uh, so that she does have that ability to marry somebody else. Okay, but at the end of the day, if he says that I, I, murder, that I murdered your husband, uh, so then she is allowed to marry somebody else. The Gemara asks the following, Valmer of Yosef, that, that's, again, that's according to the first opinion. Rabbi Huda argues and says that he's not believed at all. So they ask Valmer of Yosef, didn't Rabbi Yosef say, in the following cases, Ploni Ravani Laonsi, Huva Achemet Starfin Lahargo, Lertsoni Rashahu, Vatur Amr, Altishes Yodchem Rashi Lios Eid Hamas. If a person says uh, that so and so sodomized me against my will, it was against his will, so then. Uh, then he's allowed to be a witness together with another uh, to put that person to death. That would be permissible to put that person to death. However, if he says that it was, if it was with my consent, so then he is not believed because he's a Russia, as we pointed out before. He's a Russia. He's, he's referring to himself and calling himself a Russia, a sinner. And by making himself consider, that essentially invalidates his testimony. Through the statement itself, that invalidates the testimony. And so therefore, we do not believe the statement. We would not believe that statement because uh, we do not believe a statement which would turn yourself into an invalid witness. So we totally do not believe that statement. So the question is, how is that case different uh, from our case? Our case is a different case. It's not trying to put somebody to death. But essentially what it's doing is that it's proving that the husband is no longer alive. But at the same time, you are calling yourself a murderer. So how do we accept that according to the first opinion? If you're going to tell me, maybe we have various leniencies here. Just like we only accept one witness, and there are various leniencies when it comes to proving the death of a husband. So maybe this is another leniency to say that we will accept a Russia. Maybe we would accept a Russia in this case. We would accept somebody who in general is viewed as a sinner and is usually uh, invalid to testify. Maybe in this case they are valid to testify. The Gemara says, no, that can't be. Vaham Rav Menashe. Rav Menashe already said, Turning the page to Chafeim Abayz, Gazlan de Devreim Kasher Leedus Isha, Gazlan de Devreim Torah Apostle Leedus Isha. We already said that uh, if a person is a thief uh, by biblical law, so a thief is invalid, is not allowed to testify if they're a thief, and so therefore they cannot testify even with regards to proving that the husband passed away in order to make the wife to allow the wife to marry somebody else. They're also not allowed even uh, even a thief by biblical law. That they're they're invalid for by 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 the Torah law, they they are not allowed to testify even with regards to this case, which in general we have various leniencies like the fact that we only need one witness. But still, if they're a Russia, if they're a sinner, they are still invalid. Uh, however, if it's if it's only a rabbinic uh, law that they are invalid, there are various cases where rabbinically they're not allowed to testify, which is a whole separate discussion. But for example, if a person gambles. Uh, so then they are not allowed to uh, to testify in court on a rabbinic level. They're not allowed to testify. So then they could testify with regards to the fact that the husband passed away. That would be an exception. But if they are a an outright thief, where on a Torah level they're not allowed to testify, so then they're also not allowed to testify with regards to this case, even though we do have other leniencies, like one having only one witness, they're not allowed to testify if they are a Russia, if they are a sinner. So then, so to over here, basically, we're proving from Rav Menasha, uh to say uh, to say that to say that a person who is a Russia uh, could, on a, who is a sinner is not allowed to testify, even with regards to proving that the husband has passed away. So essentially, what we're saying is that 
a person who says that I murdered your husband should not be believed. They should not be believed because they are making themselves into a sinner, into a Russia, and a Russia is not allowed, they're not believed for their testimony. So at the very same time, that the very moment that they're testifying, they're invalidating their own testimony. And so we do not accept the testimony at all. We do not accept the testimony. So the Gemara then asks, if that's the case, so name a Rav Menashe, Damar, Kabi Yehuda. If that's the case, so then it seems to be that Rav Menashe is following the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda is the second opinion in the Mishnah. Again, we had a dispute in the Mishnah. Is it a valid testimony or is it not a valid testimony? Rabbi Menashe seems to hold that we do not accept this testimony with regards to uh, proving that the husband passed away. You have to be somebody who's not a sinner in order, halakhically, a sinner that would invalidate you to testify. You have to be somebody who would be able to testify. And because this person cannot testify, because they're making themselves into a murderer, so therefore this seems to prove like Rabbi Huda, the second opinion of the mission, which says that the testimony is not accepted. So the Gemara answers a, 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 uh, a very fundamental answer. And the Gemara answers, Amalachar Rabbi Menashe, Rabbi Menashe says, no. Really, I can fit even within the first opinion. Even though I hold that in order to testify about your husband, about the husband dying, uh, the person cannot be a Russia, not, cannot be a sinner, but still, maybe... The Rabbanan, the first opinion holds as follows. The time the Rabban Hafikid the Rava follows the opinion of Rava. Dama Rava, Adam Karavetal Atzmo, Vein Adam Mesim Atzmo, Russia. Rava uses the principle which we find elsewhere in the Gemara. This is a, a, a global shas, meaning this is found in the Talmud many times, a couple of times. This pr- principle called Palginan Dibura. We could split the testimony, meaning we could say the first opinion who says that we could accept the testimony is of the opinion that we accept the testimony to say that when he says, I murdered your husband, to say that your husband is dead, that we accept the testimony to say your husband died, but we do not accept the part of the testimony which says that I was the murderer. And so we do not accept that part because a person is testifying about themselves. We do not accept that testimony. Not only do we not accept it, we don't, it's like the court system didn't even hear those words. It's, they're not even a witness. They're not even viewed. It's not like they're a witness who's lying they're not even a witness. They're not even viewed as a witness when they talk about themselves. So we ignore the part, the part that says that I murdered, and we accept the fact that the, the husband was murdered, but not that I, the witness, did it. And so therefore, we can sort of split the testimony. Uh, whether it's uh, There's a discussion whether it's actually splitting the actual words of the testimony, or it's just that we will believe the entire testimony, but only with regards... Uh, to this particular law of making sure that the husband died so that the wife could marry somebody else, but we do not believe the testimony with regards to uh, incriminating the witness himself. And so we sort of, there's different levels of, of, of na'amanis, of trustworthiness that's necessary for different areas of law. And so we will accept the testimony to say the husband is dead, but we will not accept the testimony to say that uh, the witness is deserving of death for murdering. Uh, and so that's how we split it. So that's the first opinion. The way to understand the first opinion is to say uh, that it's based on this principle that we could split the testimony to say that we do not believe the fact that the witness murdered, but we do believe the fact that, and so therefore he's not a Russia, he's not a sinner, and now we could believe the fact that the husband is is now dead and the wife could marry somebody else. So the Gemara then asks, oh, Lema Rav Yosef Amr Maybe we should also say that Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef himself, Earlier, we said that Rav Yosef does not apply this principle of splitting the testimony. He said that if a person testifies and says that um, 
that they were sodomized with his consent. We don't split that testimony to say uh, we, we believe part of it with regards to the other person, but not with regards to yourself. He doesn't split the testimony. So he seems to be of the opinion to say that we cannot believe that testimony. So that seems to be like Rabbi Huda. Maybe he holds like Rabbi Huda. Uh, because Rabbi Huda holds that the testimony is invalid. So the Gemara now gives a different reason why you could follow the position of the first position to say that uh, to say that we do accept the testimony. What will they, this be based on? Amr l'chav Yosef, on Adam l'Rabbanan. I could have followed even the first position. V'shani edus isha de'kili b'Rabbanan, Rav Menashe d'Amr k'Rabbi Huda. Rav Yosef could say, you know what, I follow, I'm against Rav Menashe, and I really hold that in order to testify about the husband, you could even be a Russia. You could also be somebody who is a Russia, who is a sinner. You could still testify about the husband, just like we have other leniencies, like we only require one witness. So too, we will have this leniency to say that uh, to say that the witness could also be somebody who is a Russia uh, against Rav Menashe, against the opinion that we had earlier. But essentially, just to summarize uh, what is going on here, the second opinion of the mission is Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda says that if a person says, I murdered your husband, it's an invalid testimony because a person is invalidating themselves. Uh, because they're making themselves into a Russia, into a sinner. They're not allowed to testify. There are specific types of sinners who are not allowed to testify. He's not allowed to testify. So within his statement, he's invalidating his own testimony, and therefore it doesn't prove that the husband uh, is really dead. We cannot prove that the husband is really dead. However, there are two different reasons behind the first position. The first position is the Tanakama, who says that we do accept the testimony. Why? It's for one of two reasons. Either one. Either because we say we could split the testimony, and say that we believe uh, the fact that the husband died, but we don't believe that you are a sinner. You, a person cannot testify in themselves that they are a sinner. Alternatively, we could say, that, you know what? Really, he is believed with the fact that he's a sinner. But a sinner, with regards to these laws, is believed. With regards to the laws of, of uh, with regards to testifying that the husband passed away, he is believed with regards to that. So those are two very different reasons, potential reasons for the first opinion. Uh, either because we could split the testimony, or we could say that we are lenient with regards to proving that the husband died, just like we only require one witness, so too we would accept the testimony of a Russia, of a sinner. And so therefore he could testify that he murdered uh, the uh, he murdered uh, the husband. Okay, that is the conclusion of that part. Let's read a few more lines to the Mishnah. Moving on to the last case of the Mishnah. Heractive. The Mishnah says that if we killed him, so the first opinion says that if it says that we killed him, so then he is not allowed to marry, meaning he, he, he's one witness, but he says that I was one amongst many uh, who killed him. Uh, so according to the first opinion, he's not allowed to marry the wife because we're basing it on his one testimony. Rabbi Huda says, no, he could marry the wife. And the question is, how, how could he marry, what's the idea that he can marry the wife? Why should he be able to marry the wife? According to Rabbi Huda, what's the difference whether it was one person, whether it was multiple people who killed him, why should that be a reason even according to Rabbi Huda, to just believe it to begin with? Or why, why would that be a reason to allow this one witness uh, to even marry the wife? And so the Gemara explains as follows. Um, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, this is what he said. Ba'omer ani ha'isim horgav. Sorry, according to Rabbi Huda, just to uh, clarify, according to Rabbi Huda, the question is, what's the difference between when I say I kill him versus when I say we killed him? Because the law is, when I, for Rabbi Huda, if you say I killed him, you're not believed because you're testifying about yourself, that you were a murderer. Uh, when you say we killed him, so you are believed, you're still not allowed to marry the wife because it's based on your testimony alone. 
So you're not allowed to marry the wife. But why are you even believed? Who cares about the fact? Why should we differentiate between uh, a testimony that says I killed him alone versus we killed him uh, together? It was in a group of people that that killed your husband. Um, so why would we differentiate and say one testimony we will, we will believe and accept, the other testimony we would not accept? So the Gemara says, you know what? The case is, is different. Amr Rav Yehuda, the case that we believe the testimony is not where you said I killed him. Bomer Ani Hayisim Hargav. All you say is I was there at the time. I saw the murder take place. I was there with those who actually killed him. And that's what Rabbi Hud is saying. If a person testifies that they were there at the time, so then it's valid testimony. And the Gemara brings support for this answer. Vatanya, because it's taught in a Brisa, a similar idea. Amrullah Rabbi Huda, the rabbis, the first opinion said to Rabbi Huda that they could prove their position. There was an incident with uh, Listim, a, a bandit who was being taken out by a secular, by a non-Jewish court uh, to be killed. Uh, and they said to him, the Jews said to him, Go, even though you're going to be executed, go right away and go tell his wife that you were the one that murdered uh, her her husband. Go, go say that I was the one that killed your husband. Whether he was entering Lod or whether the husband was entering Lod, uh, a certain place. Uh, but at the end of the day, the, the Rabbana, the first opinion of the Mishnah, wants to bring a proof from this story to say, listen, you're allowed to testify to say that I murdered uh, your husband. So, and and they allowed it. So Rabbi Huda responds back. Rabbi Huda argues and says, we don't accept that testimony. He says, no, that case was different. He didn't testify that he he murdered your husband. That case is the case where Rabbi Huda accepts the testimony where you say, I was there at the time. If you say I was there at the time, so then that is valid uh, testimony. I saw the murder take place. Thigmar asks, but Vahalistam Katani, he seems to be the murderer because he, he was a bandit and he was being executed as a bandit. So they say, He wasn't part of the group of people, but he was in custody because of, because of the bandits. He was found amongst them, but not that he himself was a bandit and he was involved in the murder. But it says that he went out to be killed. It sounds like he committed murder if he was out to be killed. The more answer is no. No, that's referring to a non-Jewish court. And that particular court was not, they were not careful to investigate the matter. And anybody who was really involved in that in that incident, uh, who looked like they were suspicious, so they they also executed that person. And so this person was not actually involved in the murder itself. He just happened to be around that group. So in the end of the day, Rabbi Yehuda really holds any time you say uh, that that uh, I or we, whatever the case is, I or we, we murdered your husband. According to Rabbi Yehuda, you are not believed because you are incriminating yourself. You are making yourself an invalid witness. However, if you say that I was there at the time, so then you are believed. And that's how Rabbi Huda would understand our Mishnah. That's how to understand Rabbi Huda within the Mishnah. And also within that story, that incident of the Brisa, that is also a case where the person did not actually commit the murder, but he's saying that he was there at the time. Okay, that is the conclusion of our recording, which discusses a lot about the laws of testimony and testifying as a Russia, somebody who is a sinner and who is not allowed to testify about Self-incriminating yourself, is that possible? Is that not possible? We will continue with the next Mishnah in the next recording.